Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. I am your host, Daniel Daly. This is episode 38. As we get into early playoff preview here, um, I'm going to start off talking about a couple teams that have been, well, just one team that has been eliminated so far. Um, that has been the most polarizing team that has been eliminated, not the Utah Jazz, not the Indiana Pacers, who had a good start to the season and then kind of flamed out with injuries. But the Dallas Mavericks um, really just fell off the rails here, uh, heading into the playoffs, trying to get into the play-in, deciding not to go for a play-in spot, given their circumstances of not really being in the contender or even having a chance to get to the Western Conference Finals like they did last year. Um really just deciding to basically punt the last game against Chicago there. As we saw, uh, Luca came out for a couple minutes and played the first quarter, played roughly 13 minutes, I believe, in that game. And they really just punted that game, really just gave it away. Uh, looking into what their options were, really just trying to play in the play-in, really have an uphill battle there, turn around or save your – 2023 lottery pick potentially here that's coming up and they had a better chance of doing that and not sending it to New York. I believe if they basically missed the plane and now you're looking at this team that had Western conference finals stamped on them last year, coming into this year, really not hitting the right stride that they were supposed to be hitting as last year, having some departures there with uh, Jalen Brunson. Of course, I'll get into that as well. But uh, just looking at this Mavericks team, it looked like they just had a different uh, gear there that they couldn't reach, right? Like they started off, what, really good, started off was really in a really high seed there, fourth seed in the Western Conference. And then they felt like they always needed something else, right? They had that little tinkering with Christian Wood that really – just didn't fit the team real real well with uh, Jason Kidd really uh, hesitant to give him minutes, especially on the defensive end. He's just not a defensive player. Um, looking at that roster, they needed an offensive boost. Christian Wood could provide that. Didn't really pan out because of the defensive aspect of it. And despite all that, they were led with Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, but especially Luka Doncic, and those guys were able to play well and have a, at least a record above 500 in the Western Conference. And when you look at the Western Conference, where not too many teams have above 500 records, it's very close. The Mavericks were one of those teams. Obviously, you know they needed something, and people started rumbling, hey, Luka's getting disgruntled, they need to make a move here and there. And they did make a move. They ended up trading for Kyrie Irving, who has been polarizing himself, um, especially this year. Uh, the, the the Nets were playing well, and then Kevin Durant went down. Everything started falling down a little bit around him, and he actually he requested a trade. Then Kevin Durant requests a trade. Everything blows up in Brooklyn, as we saw. Uh, he gets traded to Dallas for Spencer, Din Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith in the first-round pick, and he heads to Dallas with all the expectations in the world that this is going to at least help them get into playoff, playoff mode, push their playoff chances. Help them in that direction, right? Like, I get it from that standpoint. You get a talented player like Kyrie Irving into your roster. You expect him to 25 points, the five assists, five rebounds. And somebody that you can play next to Luka, they score the ball, everything's fine. But they didn't really look at the dynamics of these two right there. And I think that was the, the misstep of the Mavericks. Uh, understanding that you're bringing Kyrie Irving in, you're losing some type of 
foundation with your defense when you give up Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, who can help a little bit there. But Dorian Finney-Smith was really the guy that was switching, guarding the other team's best player, able to switch, able to provide help. And being that guy to help off of Luka and being able to basically shield these guys a little bit from getting attacked. And especially a team without any rim protection, now you don't have any perimeter defense. Teams are constantly attacking them. We saw that over the last stretch of since the, the All-Star break. Teams were just attacking them. Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, who was ever out there in the backcourt, they were going to, going to get attacked, especially with the weak defense that they had. And that's something that we all knew going in, right? Like we knew that pairing wasn't going to work in terms of on the defensive end. And especially now that you add health, Luka missed some games, Kyrie missed some games. They were really never together to build a rhythm there. Um and go forward and see what this team really could be. They were under 500. Uh, that, that's not something that they traded for Kyrie Irving. That was not the expectations that they desperately had. But when you look at the outlook of it, they couldn't defend. They couldn't get stops, especially close in games. Um, we saw it against Atlanta when it was close in the game, and Kyrie Irving fouled Trey Young at the end of the game. Like, we've seen that a little bit there regarding these players, right? Like, Defense wasn't their calling card, and especially with no rim protection in this league, you're going to lose. You have to have some type of rim, rim protection, some type of rim or defender that can switch out and help those guys when they're getting attacked. When you got two, one guy like that, you can kind of shield it a little bit with your defense with switching and helping and shadowing and kind of just zoning up a little bit on their side of the ball. When you got two guys that can't guard, it's going to be pretty bad. Like That's not going to help. That's going to... They're going to look bad, and that's what Dallas was. They were bad down the last stretch of the regular season. Like, it, 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 there was no question about that. And, of course, when you look at the Dallas Mavericks, who have been, as I talked about in my last video, have been free agent uh, uh, turmoil, building star pile turmoil, they got lucky with Luka Doncic and drafting him, right? That was the one thing that they did. They definitely got Luka Doncic. Everything was going to look right from that standpoint. Um, but over to, overall, when you make a trade like that, you're wondering now what happens with Kyrie Irving. They don't have him extended. They don't have him on a contract right now. Uh, he's a free agent in the offseason. And you just gave up your picks. You gave up some stability. You gave up two players, valuable players now, to your team. Where does that lead you? Where does that leave you right now? And Mark Cuban hasn't been as committed to Kyrie Irving in his last comments there. It seems like they're heading in a direction where it's like, hey, maybe we can get some cap space there, whatever the case may be. I'm thinking more logically a sign and trade. Maybe something can happen there with Kyrie Irving. Um, in, in my head, I'm just thinking of a couple teams that can probably take a chance. Miami, um, Kyle Lowry, probably Tyler Hero, throw some guys in there, whatever the case may be. Maybe you try to get Bam out of bio. That's maybe just something I'm just thinking off the top of my head of us, something that can actually help them give Dallas a different dynamic. You actually add a defender with Bam out of bio, somebody that can play pick and roll and actually defend on that end of the floor, especially as a big man in the Western Conference like that. He can do that. A different dynamic than Christian Wood. I'm just thinking that right there, that's one team there. Of course, Kyrie has been tied to L.A. Um, you think about Luka Doncic, where could he go? Um, New York Knicks are an option, I'm thinking. Miami's, of course, an option. L.A., one of the L.A. teams. Um, maybe that Kawhi-Paul George experiment isn't working as much. Sign and trade there. Something can happen there. 
you know, I don't think Luca's going to be that person that asks for a trade. And I know a lot of people are saying that he's disgruntled and things aren't going well. They pay Luka Doncic a lot of money. They're willing, they are invested behind Luka Doncic. They have just not been able to put anything together uh, substantially behind him. And I think that's been the biggest issue. They haven't been able to build any foundation of building blocks um, in regard to that. And you thought they had a couple players there that would have helped out, um, especially somebody that they could have just kept, which I'll get into in a moment. But Kyrie Irving's probably going to walk this offseason. Where does that lead the Mavericks? Leaves them without picks. New York has their picks. Brooklyn has their picks. Where does that leave them going forward? Now, do you think the the logical thing would be to sign Kyrie Irving? If you do a sign and trade, at least you'll be able to get some assets or some players back in a trade. That would help you. I don't know if that's going to sit well with Luca. Maybe you can get something that's a little bit more foundational, a little bit more three and D guys around him with a Kyrie Irving trade, right? Like maybe you can do something there that would help roster the roster around him, at least a little, little bit more depth wise, right? Now looking at Luca, he's recently just signed a max extension. He's early into that. Now we've seen guys really ask for a trade or get traded. Donovan Mitchell, that just happened with Donovan Mitchell. Um, we can see guys get traded. It's, it's not out of the realm. It doesn't matter the salary cap number. We've seen Russell Westbrook, John Wall. We've seen other guys get traded. Will Luka be that guy to ax out? I don't think so. I think they're going to try to build around him and salvage this. I think Dallas is too big of a market. They invested too much in Luka Doncic just to walk away and then make a lackluster trade or get three cents on the what are three quarters on the dollar, whatever the case may be. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But looking at Luka Doncic, it's like, who can play next to him? Catch and shoot guys, uh, uh, defenders like that, like athletes. You need to do something where you can get Luca in a better situation where he's not so isocentric, everything so relying on him. Or if it is relying on him, at least make it a little bit more structurally sound around him. And when you got bring guys like Kyrie Irving in there, you bring other guys out there that really just aren't really working, not even from a team dynamic, dynamics on the floor. It's going to be difficult to win. You're going to be in the same situation, and the Western Conference teams are going to be building. The Kings are building. Memphis is building. OKC is building. And you're not really better than those teams. I wouldn't even have to say that they're better than the Utah Jazz, even though they have a better record because of Luka. But in terms of going forward, in terms of building blocks, in terms of assets that you can look forward to or trade or whatever the case may be, other teams have more options, a lot more options than Dallas right now. And they could have imagined that they could have just kept Jalen Brunson in that. They could have just signed Jalen Brunson. Reportedly, uh, Mark Cuban came out and said, hey, his parents got in the way and that stopped the signing and that stopped us from getting it to him and all this other stuff. And um, Tim Mann, beat reporter for ESPN and the Dallas Mavericks, I believe he covers the Mavericks and Grizzlies or other teams around the league and stuff like that. But he said that they said to him, Jalen Brunson and his father said to him, they went to the office in January last year and said, hey, if you put the offer on the table right now, we will sign it. And that offer was four years, roughly fifty more, $54 million. And they didn't offer him the contract. Four years, $54 million. You're not killing your cap space with that type of move. You get a guy that's at least able to score, at least be able to play defense, and they didn't offer it to him. And when they didn't offer it to him, he outplayed his contract. 
We saw what he we, we saw what he signed for the offseason, four years, $106 million to the New York Knicks. Everyone thought he got overpaid. Whatever the case may be, the Knicks are in fifth place in the Eastern Conference, firmly in the playoffs. Contrast to Dallas, 11th place in the Western Conference. Looks like you should have paid him that $54 million. <laughs> you know, looking at it, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you wouldn't have to deal with the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving. You would have had Jalen Brunson on four-year contract. You could have moved other pieces around them because Jalen Brunson actually got his shots off against next to Luka, actually defended next to Luka, and was able to play well, able to step up in certain situations. Was he going to be the final answer? But no, that's a good building piece next to Luka. At least you know you got the guy that can get his own shot, create, play some defense, and be tough next to Luka in that backcourt where it's a little more difficult to pick on him you have Dorian Finney-Smith with that. That defense is a little bit better there on the perimeter-wise. And all you have to do is sign a guy for four years, $54 million, and you chose not to. Now you're putting in a scramble mode. Now you got Tim Hardaway Jr. You got Maxi Kleba. What else do you have with this team right now? And with the potential of Kyrie Irving walking, what do you have right now if you're Dallas? What do you have? It's really tough to look at it right now, and it's just like a bunch of uncertainty for Dallas. And they're in a pickle right now. I don't think Luka Doncic is going to ask for a trade, but I do think that he's going to start putting pressure on the organization to be like, hey, we got to do something here. We got to get something. You guys got to start building this team right. And as a franchise player, yes. The Mavericks kind of owe it to Luka Doncic to start putting the pieces around him. And I said it before when I say it again. It kind of reminds me of LeBron in Cleveland in his first day. You start looking around at the John Travolta in, in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> like, yo, what's going on here? Like, I'm not getting the support. And, and, and people are saying that Lucas fat or whatever the case may be. People have been saying that, you know, going at him and being like, you know, he's not in physical shape all the time or whatever the case may be. He's too isocentric. We've seen teams win that way, and I'm not necessarily championships all the time. We've seen people, Magic Johnson had the ball in his hand a lot. Jason Kidd got to the finals a couple of times. James Harden has been been able to win 50, 60 games a season. Luka Doncic is in that class in terms of pace, controlling the game, all that stuff, able to pass, able to shoot. He's going to take a lot of shots, whatever the case may be, whatever you want to say about him, those should lead to wins. And even though they're struggling this year, They, they should be better than what they are. You know what I mean? Like, no one ever looked at this roster and was like, eh. I thought they should have been right around 500, a little bit above 500, depending on what happened. And they just weren't able to do that. So you, you start looking into the offseason. What's the best options for them? Are they going to go the free agent route? Hasn't always worked out for them. Should they do a sign and trade option with Kyrie Irving? I think that's probably the best option. Like, hey, yo, Kyrie, we will pay you what a con- another team agrees to pay you, whatever those numbers are, and just help us out by facilita- facilitating a sign and trade. That happens all the time in the NBA. It should happen here. I think that's the best option for the Mavericks. They keep their t- their uh, lottery pick, and maybe they use that in the trade. You know, they, they pair Kyrie Irving with the pick to get players that they want to need and other picks back or whatever the case may be. 
But that ten that pick that they tanked for was the only thing that they made sense in this whole season. <laughs> Them losing against Chicago was the only thing that made sense this whole season going forward. Like, all right, let's at least retain our pick. Maybe we have a little bit more options. Maybe there's a player we like, whatever the case may be. That was probably the smartest move for them going forward. Rather than trying to win, be in the playoffs, have their pick go to the Knicks, they have another pick now that they can use in a trade and facilitate and do other things. But it's just uncertainty right now in Dallas. And and, and as I know everybody's freaked out and especially worried about Luka and what his stage is, his state of mind is looking at this team. But I, I think they're okay with Luka. I think they just have to start putting pieces around him that actually benefit his play style, benefit the team, hide his defenses. Like, you got to start building. You drafted this guy. You're paying max money. You have to start putting pieces around him to make it make sense. Otherwise, you're just wasting his time, really pissing him off, and he might ask for a trade. That's how I look at that one. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe if you like what you're seeing, of course. As we keep moving on to the early playoff preview, we got one of our playoff matchups in the Eastern Conference. And moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the New York Knicks in the first round. Um, styles make fights. These teams marry each other a lot. Uh, 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 play a defensive, gritty style of play. Offense slowed down to a halt. Um, but dynamic scores on both sides of the ball for this team. Um, I, I can't wait to look at the matchups of this uh, of this playoff this playoff matchup between the Cavaliers and Knicks. Looking at especially at the backcourt there, you got Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell on one side. You got Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett on the other side. Uh, and of course, Donovan match Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson matchup. These guys are two dynamic scores in the NBA. Uh, you cannot say enough about both these guys here, especially Jalen Brunson, who basically came from Dallas and turned his play around. Really, really showing people what he's made of. And kudos to him. He could make an All-NBA team. People are kind of hesitant on that. Possibly he should be there. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and argue against people who sit there and say that he shouldn't have the spot. I think there's a couple other guards there that are better than him. But this guy has really stepped up really led the way for the New York Knicks, and that's pretty much what they needed, right? They needed a point guard to kind of calm stuff down, kind of get a bucket, move things in the right direction. He's been able to do that all seasons. Kudos to him. Um, can't say enough about that guy. Like, he really has the Knicks, you know, playing well, uh, uh, get, has the, the, the garden buzzing again, I should say. And looking at his play against the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's at 25 points a game with six assists. That's basically his numbers. He's been one of the best players since the turn of the, the, the year, the new year, um, and has really been out there balling, scoring, assisting, playing tough defense, and really helping the Knicks in those games, those late-game situations. And against the Cavs, he had a big 48-point game, which really jumped up his scoring against the Cavs. Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Donovan Mitchell has 31 points against this team, seven assists, in four games, he's averaging those type of numbers. So these guys are big time, big time scores for their teams, and I'm looking forward for to see those guys going at each other. You know, looking at Donovan Mitchell has been one of the best playoff performers <laughs> in his uh, short NBA career. Has been able to score the ball crazy, crazy easy. I think he's like third in all time playoff scoring. Like he gets buckets. Like he's that type of guy. There, you got Jalen Brunson who's going to match up and go against him. 
And styles make fights. I think there's a lot of things that the Knicks can throw at uh, the Cavs, but you can't forget Darius Garland, of course, in this matchup as well. R.J. Barrett there. Like, There's a backcourt dynamic here that's going to be entertaining. You know what I mean? Like they, they, These guys are going to really go at each other. Uh, moving on to Julius Randle first of the Twin Towers, obviously Allen and Mobley. Um, Julius Randle has been able to get what, 23 points and 10 rebounds and five assists. Usually that's close to his all-NBA numbers, I believe, uh, from a couple years ago. So he's back playing at that level, and he's able to do it against two bigs for Cleveland, who was number one defense in the NBA. So it's going to be a real challenge for Allen and Mobley, especially Mobley, to see what he can do against uh, Julius Randle. He's able to slow down Julius Randle and see what they do there. And I think that's something that's going to be a next factor there. If Julius Randle is able to, to get those guys in foul trouble, put the pressure on the, the Cavs there on the front line. Um, the Knicks have a couple advantages there, you know, and I, I think that's something that uh, Cleveland should be worried about going into there. But I think that Cleveland has an advantage with Dar- Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. I just think they have the better players in the, on their uh, teams. But looking at Jared Allen and um, Evan Mobley, Two guys that can get you double-doubles, roughly around 15 and 10 rebounds a game between the two of them. Uh, two dynamic guys that can actually score on the front line, right? Like, they're going to have to have a big series against this this front lineup against Mitchell Robinson and uh, uh, Julius Randle. So the, the, there's something there that they can do on that end of the floor that gives them a little bit more balance, right? Like, they're good on the defensive side of the ball, but these guys are two bigs that can score. Um, so that's going to be something that they can put the, tr- the 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 pressure on Julius Randle and the Knicks on their front line, and especially defensively. They're going to be able to block shots at the rim that uh, the Knicks can't, right? Like they have two guys who can get blocks and play out and, and, and really cover on the front line and be able to help. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be an X factor in this series on the front line, especially between these two. Um, these guys are going to be great. They actually they missed the game. La- they missed the, the playoffs last year by a game because of the play-in. Um, they just didn't have Jared Allen who came back. And it was just like, the, I think the Cleveland was up in the fourth seed at that point in time, but they fell all the way out. Um, they were able to have Jared Allen, able to have Evan Mobley. And moving forward, I think that's something that that's going to benefit the Cavs. I think them being at full strength is going to be enough in that series. Um, but let's look at another dynamic here. Uh, the Knicks bench versus the, the Cavs bench, a known versus an unknown right here. You know what I mean? You're looking at uh, – the Knicks who have uh, quickly, they have Hart, they have Hartenstein, um, Toppin. They have a couple guys that they can throw at you where Cleveland doesn't really have that stability on their bench. Um, Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, Seti Osman. When you start naming those guys, it's like they are either one-way guys. Like those guys can score the ball. Um, in terms of Karis LeVert and Seti Osman, those guys can score the ball, but defensively, um, not really there. And especially on the offensive, it's really streaky. It's really inefficient, um, up and down on that end of the floor. But with the Knicks, you know what you're getting out with Josh Hart. You're getting a guy that can really shoot the ball, rebound the ball, and really defend. Quentin Grimes, who's out there. You know you're going to get a 3 and D guy. He's exploded at times during the season with his scoring. And then you got uh, Quickly, who's in – contention for six man of the year. That, that's an edge to the Knicks, right? Like uh, that, that could be a dynamic there where those guys can also be able to play with the stars, be able to guard Darius Garland, be able to guard Donovan Mitchell, at least provide some resistance there. 
if you go to the bench for the Knicks. Like, if anybody gets in foul trouble, you can at least know you got guys there, there that can catch and shoot, that can create their own bucket, that, that can defend, defend at their positions, especially in the backcourt. And Cleveland, you're just waiting to see if somebody on that side steps up for them. Right, like that's been one of the missing pieces there. I thought Kevin Love was going to be that for them early this year, but then he wanted out, ended up going to Miami. They never haven't really been able to fill that void. Uh, Danny Green came in over a trade. He hasn't really caught on as yet. So it's like, what are you getting out of your bench if you're Cleveland? Um, I think there's going to be very, 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 very heavy set on uh, the Cleveland starters, Donovan Mitchell, of course, but I think Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland can navigate through that series and really provide a, a boost to Cleveland where they don't really have to worry about their bench. The bench just has to hold on for a little bit until they can get a rest and come back and start scoring. And I, I think Cleveland, I give Cleveland the edge in that series just because I believe they have two of the best players in the series. Um, they have a number one defense. And if those guys are able to break down and get able be able to get buckets, I'm going to give them an advantage in that series, despite the Knicks having an advantage with Julius Randle and having an advantage with their bench. I think Cleveland can come in and, and, and really provide some problems um, and really uh, take that first round series against the Knicks, maybe 4-2. Um, I think Cleveland in six. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what that does going forward. With that series, I can't wait with the NBA playoffs coming. You know, Cleveland hasn't been back since 19, without LeBron James since like 1998. That was Sean Kemp, Jerome that team. Um, I believe they lost to Indiana in that series there. So that's tremendous for Cleveland. And for the New York Knicks, you know, they have that 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 season where they uh, were let down against Atlanta a couple of years ago when they got to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, Atlanta did. And they, that was kind of off the back of the Knicks, right? Like the Knicks came in, thought they were the hot shit, ended up laying a dud in the playoffs, and everybody was questioning them. So the Knicks are back. We'll see what they can do there, uh, see if they're able to fight those demons. They do have Jalen Brunson. They have a little bit more of a dynamic team. Um, so we will see what's happening with Cleveland and New York in the first round coming up. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. As we're moving on into another playoff matchup, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Brooklyn Nets and a 3-6 matchup here where we have uh, Joel Embiid, NBA scoring champion. They already announced that as well. Um, I believe he's going to be in the, no undoubtedly the MVP of the league as well as that. So that's big honors for Joel Embiid. Uh James Harden has been an all NBA type player this year, especially coming back from injury has been 22 and 11, I believe so far and has been great in that regard. Um, but this series is really the Mikhail Bridges revenge series. Um, this is a guy who was recently traded for Kevin, uh, for Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant going to Phoenix, Mikhail Bridges going to Brooklyn and Mikhail Bridges has come out, gangbusters scoring 27 points a game, right? Like he's really shooting the ball well, I believe on 47, 37 splits from the field and from three-point line. Like he's doing it. Like he's doing it. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Brooklyn has given him the ball. They trusted him in Cam Johnson. Like, yo, go out there and score. He's been able to do it. He's been killing. But the reason why I call this Mikhail Bridges revenge series is because he was traded by – the Philadelphia 76ers in 2018. 
uh, for Zaire Smith in a first-round pick, sending him to Phoenix. And this guy went to Villanova in college, go, which is in Philadelphia, gets drafted by Philly, seems like a, a, a dream come true, and then they trade him. And when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, like how he would have looked next to uh, Joel Embiid in that regard, a guy that really developed, can really defend on his side of the ball, that can really shoot the ball. Now he's able to create his own shot. So that development in his game, that's kind of what Philly needs, right? <laughs> Even when those times when they had Ben Simmons and all that stuff like that, that's kind of what they needed, right? They needed a guy on the wing that can go get buckets. Jimmy Butler kind of, but this guy has a little bit more range. And they settled with Tobias Harris. And you can kind of see the missteps there, right? Like Mikael Bridges is on fire. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in this series. You know, he's really going to be the number one guy in the series. He has Spencer Dinwiddie with him, Cam Thomas. He has a couple other guys with him on that team there. And I think that's one thing that Brooklyn does have, right? Like they can throw a bunch of different looks at Philly on the defensive end. They have depth, have multiple guys that can come in and shoot the ball. It's going to be a good test for Philadelphia. And, you know, Mikhail Bridges, you know, having an opportunity to show out like that. Um, it's going to be interesting on his end, you know, to see how he comes out and plays and, and hopefully he's able to have a good showing for Brooklyn who have been <laughs> who have had a couple past couple seasons of, of turmoil, right? So to see some stability, see some type of uh, of consistency, uh, normalization, I should say, like, you know, normalcy. It's interesting because this team was in turmoil, turmoil three months ago, <laughs> right? Like they had Kevin Durant, they had Kyrie Irving both winning out, Steve Nash gets fired. All this other stuff happening with the Brooklyn Nets. And finally turning around, you start putting some pieces together. You got Mikhail Bridges. You got Cam Johnson. You got Spencer Dinwiddie. Got a little bit more stable guys that just want to play and play hoop and, and go out and play. And with that, Jacques Vaughn doesn't have much of a headache. The only thing that has been a headache so far after that trade has possibly been the injury of Ben Simmons. Like, he's just not available. He hasn't been available. He's not probably not going to be available until probably next season already. So now when you look at it from that standpoint, despite all that, they're in the playoffs, firmly in the playoffs, out of the play-in, which they were battling Miami, trying to avoid that spot. They were able to do that. And the Brooklyn Nets are in a better position than the Dallas Mavericks, Miami Heat, other teams that people thought that they were going to take to. I thought they were going to tank because it's like I didn't see a reason for them to continue playing. But Mikael Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, kudos to those guys for coming in and balling. Kudos to those guys, especially Mikael Bridges. But that can be a revenge series for him. Moving on to Embiid and Harden starting their playoff run again together after the last season where it ended terribly. Um Toronto and then Miami. So you got these two guys, two all-stars, two guys that should be all NBA, scoring champions, multiple times scoring champions now. 
and Joel Embiid most likely going to win his MVP award. And this is going to start their playoff run, right? Like this is Harden and Embiid again, especially after last season where you thought everything was going to go fine. They flame out, random injuries. For the first time in a long time, both these guys are healthy. They're getting into the, the NBA playoffs. And, you know, there's been questions there. I always thought Joel Embiid show up in playoff games and at least did his part to try to help Philly advance and lead. Uh, James Harden has flamed out. And that's kind of what everybody's now waiting for again with a possible max extension on the line, uh, multiple suitors if he decides to leave. Can he show up in the playoffs for Philadelphia and win? That's that's the last thing that we're waiting for James Harden. We know the accolades. We know how great of a, he is as a player. Can you win in the playoffs? Can you perform in big-time games? Can you put that together is what we're waiting for. And that's kind of what we've been waiting for with Philly, right? Like, can they put something together to actually get to the Eastern Conference Finals? At least. Now, they're probably going to be placing the Boston Celtics in the second round, so I think not. I don't want them to. Sorry, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm going to be a little selfish on this one. Um, but when you're looking at Harden and Embiid, these are two guys that have failed to get to that next level despite how great they are, right? Like, and you can say that's team dynamics, coaching, um, them coming up short, whatever the case may be. These are two great players in the game today and have not been able to get over the hump in that regard. So you have these two guys together, two dynamic scores, two dynamic players. Can they get over the hump? Can they get over that curse, whatever you want to call it? Can they do that? Can they proceed to keep moving forward and stamp it on their resume like, hey, we're winners. We can do this. We can get by that. And finally, Doc Rivers is also a part of this. Ever since that OA championship in Boston, he has had playoff appearance after playoff appearance. Blown leads, blown 3-1 leads. That has been well-documented. Can he finally put something together and get them over the hump? And Brooklyn's going to be a good test. Brooklyn's going to be feisty. They got nothing to lose. But looking at but looking at Philadelphia... It's like, can you really get over the hump? That's the question. That's been the question with this team. Ben Simmons, they had Jimmy Butler. They had all of these guys. Tyrese Maxey is now added. He's playing really well. Coming off the bench, helping the team out when scoring, especially on the offensive end, especially for that second unit. So you start to wonder, like, just looking at the playoff run, I think they're going to get by Brooklyn just because they have the better talent. I think Joel Embiid is the best player in that series, of course. And they're just going to dominate them, overwhelm them. Brooklyn's going to try to put up a fight. I can see this going 4-1. But you're just wondering, outside of Harden, outside of Embiid, outside of Tyrus Maxey, who else is going to step up for them? George Niang, Paul Reed, Tobias Harris. He's the biggest question mark in all this, right? Like, can he finally step up? and seem to earn his max dollars, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's the biggest question for Philadelphia. We know what they have with James Harden. Can he do it in the playoffs? We know what we're going to get out of Joel Embiid. Can he stay healthy? 
We know we're going to get out of Dark Rivers. We're going to get tenacity, resilience. But can you hold a lead in the playoffs? Can you put that over the hump? Can you guys actually put together another winning team here in Philadelphia? That's the question, right? Like, despite how talented that team is, do they have a great bench? Depends on what night they want to use it. Can James Harden and Joel Embiid win four straight playoff series to get to the finals? That's to remain to be seen, and that's what we're waiting for. That's what we want to see. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting to see if Philadelphia can finally take that next step and continue building. And when you got a guy like Joel Embiid, who has I predicted was going to be MVP this season, has come out gangbusters, played without James Harden and Tyrese Maxey there for a little bit. Seems like he's ready for the playoffs. Seems like he's ready to go. Can he stay healthy? That's a big question. We shall see. We shall see. Looking at other teams, we had uh, Denver in the first seed in the Western Conference. Memphis tied up the second seed. Um, The Kings are waiting to see who they're going to play. And it's been interesting because we have the Clippers, we have the Suns, we have the Lakers, all battling between that uh, four and five spot, right? Like, Well, the five and seven spots, right? So Clippers, Lakers, Golden State, all battling, trying to figure out who's going to play who in the first round. So we're still waiting on that, right? And it's going to be a big Sunday, right? Like we're going to see who's actually going to be where with seeding, who's going to tank. I don't know all the magic numbers and stuff like that to see who wins or who has the tiebreaker, whatever the case would be. But it's going to be an interesting day of the last day of the season as we wind down. Um, I can't wait. And the playoffs are here. The playoffs are going to be here next week. And we're going to get a lot of entertaining things going forward. And I can't wait to do that, talk about that, examine that, go over that. Hopefully I can invite some people on. Um, But don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, Check me out on YouTube, Spotify. And thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening, of course. And, of course, give me feedback. Always give me feedback, comments, likes, dislikes. And if you just disagree with what I'm saying, let's see where it goes. Let's talk basketball. That's what this is about. Um, But until next time, thank you for joining me. Mountain.